Excessive Conversive podcast number 14 with my good friend Charlie Watkins. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, middle of school holidays. Yeah. So trying to find exciting things for kids to do in lockdown. Yeah, I I don't have the same problem. George, <laughs> being that little bit older, she, uh, I just had to literally half an hour ago go up to her room and tell her, get changed. You get out of your pyjamas. You've been in, in your pyjamas for three days now. And, <laughs> and I am taking her out with the dogs tonight because she, she's getting to the point now where she is more than happy, sitting in her jammies, Xbox, iPads, MacBook, whatever, she's on them. And it's going to be a hell of a shock for her when she does have to go back to school and she does have to go to footy training. So I think I'm going to start reintroducing some of those bits. I've, she always sees me as the strict parent. I'm always the one that she's she's worried if if she's done something wrong but I yeah out of her parents I'm I think I'm the most lenient one like I'm pretty sure if if she was at her mum's she wouldn't be in her room and well she didn't even she sort of got up about half 10 and then she just showed her face no didn't come out of her room but I knew she wasn't asleep (laughs) and then she she more or less hissed like a vampire when I opened her curtains and took her up a a cheese and bean toasty (laughs) It's, I used to do that to my dad. I'm pretty sure. He's still coming on doing it when I had hangovers. He was evil. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, parenting aside, um, we we met each other through training, didn't we? Um, yeah. Which About, is... about six years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, six, my... six eight years ago, maybe. Around that sort of that yeah. time frame. Um. I had my gym at the time. Uh, you knew a couple of people through other other sources that were either training with me or had trained with me. Um, you came along to a couple of classes. You were doing different bits and bobs, doing a bit of CrossFit, doing a bit of... Um, I always get the one... Les Mills. <laughs> I'm trying to think, which which is the one? Body Attack. Do? Body Attack, that's the one. I always Body Attack, mostly. I mean, for, the, for those of you that are listening which is probably about two and a half people um me and charlie have done this once already and as true with everything i do with this podcast there's been technical issues um (laughs) and for once i had a amazing podcast with no internet dropouts nothing and just the audio was like i don't even know what was wrong with the audio i think it was because I tried something through Zoom, which I think everybody's getting used to, um, to try and separate mine and Charlie's audio tracks in case there was an audio issue on one of our ends. And in doing that, I completely screwed it up. Nothing matched up. Uh, we were, Charlie was answering things that I was asking her at different times to when I'd... Uh, it was a nightmare. Um, but yeah, so some of these questions I already know the answers to but I'm also still a bit grey in the area because 
that we, we talked for about three and a half hours, I think. So it was a long time, wasn't it? We, I couldn't believe the time when I got off. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's, that's sort of the underlying theme to how I want this podcast to go anyway. I, I don't want to have time limits. Obviously, today we've already covered issues and stuff between ourselves, so we can cut out the the sort of the gibberish that we were and the tangents that we were going on, which sometimes <laughs> are, are good for people to listen to. But I think um, I think I probably more me was waffling quite quite a bit on the last one, so it'd be good to uh, get get that sort of um, ironed out. Um, but yeah, so you sort of kept, I'm interested, how did you sort of, what was the initial thing that made you want to come and have a look at the, the well, the, the gym was called the Asylum, for those of you that don't know. Um, it was, it was sort of a functional fitness space. Um, I tried my best to make it sort of a, as much of a physical performance space uh, to be a psychological training space as well. Um, didn't always succeed with that. I mean, I'd probably still be learning now and um, evolving now if I was still going, unfortunately. You I never to... stop learning, yeah. ever. But um, what, do you, if you even remember, what was sort of the... I do remember, actually, it was... Um... Initially, it was the air of mystery. So it was the, you had to be invited. Mm -hmm. So, and I I was intrigued. And Hereford being the small city it is, let's face it, it's a small town, isn't it? It's a small city, but it's got small town mentality. So everybody's like, oh, you know, everybody kind of talks about what's going on at different gyms around the city, particularly back then when we didn't have loads of big big chains coming in. Um, So I was like, oh, what's this all about then? And then I would see your black and white photographs online. Um, then I saw um, a colleague of mine training there and someone else, and you can't remember who that was. Um, and I just had my son. So I've been doing CrossFit since 2010. And I had my son in 2014. And with my other two pregnancies, I trained all the way through them quite happily. But with my son, I had some complications with the pregnancy. I had a low line placenta. So I basically kept on getting banned from training. (laughs) So it's kind of, okay. So I think there was a, from 10 weeks, it was like, oh, you can't train for a while. 16 weeks, they said, oh, you can go again. 20 weeks, they said, oh, no, absolutely not. You can't train at all. And then at 32 weeks, they said, oh, you can do something. By which time I was the size of a small bungalow and had lost an incredible amount of fitness. Um, so then I had my son and went back into CrossFit and I didn't feel as recovered as I had with the girls. Um, I didn't feel quite there. Mm-hmm. And the, the the time element, I didn't feel confident with the for time element of CrossFit. And I thought, well, this is an ideal time. And I think I saw more of you when I'd see you um, in passing, dropping kids off. And yeah. we got chatting. And then you invited me. So um, I rocked up early mornings with my sparkling personality as I've got first thing in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> you were never too bad. It was always a um, a three text message process as well, I remember. It was always like, Charlie, you did. I, Charlie I think that are you was up? A deal. Charlie, <laughs> you had to get me up. <laughs> well, 
I'm here. <laughs> We're all here. <laughs> We're just hanging on for you. And you'd be like, shit, I'll be there in a minute. I'll be two minutes. I'm coming down the alley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's interesting you say that, though, the, the, because everything that you said there was exactly how I wanted it to be perceived by other people. And I think, um, I think the issues I ran in, into initially with um, other trainers at the time, uh, probably trainers that are around, around my sort of age bracket, you know, give or take five years either side, um, was something that I actually, I, I genuinely, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fact that people would be criticizing or copying stuff that we were doing and I think when the when the CrossFit movement sort of I, I'm gonna say it hit its peak I think when they stopped taking an interest in what we were doing and commenting on stuff is possibly when the creative side of me st started to slow down in terms of gym yeah. training and that was that I, I'd almost thrive off, like I, I, when I got new clients or, I mean, I don't even know if I'd even call them clients because most people that, came, that actually came through the door, which was the intention of the, the whole in, invitation, the, the stand on the porch, the fight club mentality of it, which I learned from guys like Mark Twight, Michael Blevins, uh, Rob Fusco, um, even Aaron Blevins, who's who's like a a sweetheart version of those hard faced men. Erin, she she has the same mentality, but she's also she's a lot more approachable than they mm -hmm. are at, at face value. Um, and you know, you'd get you get people locally posting videos of them doing a, a fitness test that that we'd done, and they and they would do it, and it was it was the the crazy thing about that was that it it mimicked what uh, Mark had created with three hundred, when people would send him videos of them doing the three hundred the original three hundred workout, and he was like, "You're missing the point. You're completely missing the point. This is a fitness test that those guys did after doing." A hell of a lot more it was never about the 300 workout that was just a fitness test that they did and i i got the same thing when we would do something like the um that jones crawl which was a uh, which was a jim jones which at the time mark ran um fitness test that they would do for somebody that had been doing like a, a power endurance um like schedule for for a set amount of time and i'd get people from other gyms posting on youtube and then i get tagged in it on facebook and it would be oh uh smash the jet training um or the asylum fitness test and it's like well first of all that was never our fitness test that was just something that those guys did on that day i didn't think about it i didn't think it up that wasn't a fitness test that i'd done that was just one i knew of that coincided with what they were doing and me or none of the people that ever featured in videos, photos or anything like that were a standard of what we did. It was what we were doing. It was, and, yeah. 
and I think the the element, like you say, of oh, what's that? Like you've got to be invited to go there. Like some people were like, oh fuck you, who do you think you are? Yeah, like, yeah. Because like you say, Hereford's a small town, and like I would get yeah. people that I went to school with, like. Um, I, I remember getting a Facebook comment with, uh, you, do you know Webby from the gym? No. Right, we Webby's an absolute monstrosity of a man, huge guy, super strong, hell of an engine on him. It, it just, in general, annoying to train with because he would always keep going. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't mind if he was second or third in like a timed workout or whatever, but he would then... He, he was one of those great people that would look, I'm talking like he's dead, but at, at the time in the gym, like say he, lo he, he didn't succeed in, in getting the best time or whatever. He would then be like, right, come on then we'll all go 30 seconds all out on the air dime before we leave. Like no input from me. This was just like a, a thing that he, cause he knew that he would crush people. He's, he's, he's tall. He's heavy. He's powerful. 30 seconds on an air dime. He's going to crush anybody. I've got to um, leave on a high. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was good. That was something that he, he obviously had in him anyway, but it was it was sort of super instilled in that gym environment. But um I remember doing a I think I actually used because this is a, another thing that a lot of people don't realise is I, I used a lot of the CrossFit workouts that I actually thought were useful. So something like a Fran, as long as you get the rate uh, the weight right that can be a decent workout over a short period of time. So I think I got him to do something like Fran and then a two, a 2000 meter row. Um, and he had to do it in sub. I can't even think now. I think, I think I put, I, I made it an impossible task and somebody had commented on there that I know from school. Um, again, he was a talented athlete. He's in the forces and he put, if, if that, if all of that is done, I'll eat my hat. One first thing there is that thank you for commenting. You've taken a notice of what I'm doing. The reason you're, he was probably taking notice of what I was doing was to try and be shitty because people love to be shitty on the internet. The second part of it was that he, he sort of missed, he massively missed the point of what I was doing with Webby. And because I knew Webby so well, I, what I was doing wasn't giving him a workout that I thought he could do or that was even slightly obtainable was to light a fire and see how hot it got. See how deep you can get into this workout. Like, yeah. you, like where are you at now? Yeah. I know you can do a hell of a time on a, on a rowing machine. I know that already. And I know that you can probably smash out a Fram workout but can the fatigue that you create for yourself by going as hard as you can on Fran? See, I still think he could have done that. I, I can't even remember what our standard was. I think it was sub sub seven, sub seven minutes, um, 2000 meter row. Now I know he could have done that, but it was a psychological experiment for me as much as it was a, a physical one. It was like, he could do both of those. Like I said to you, he's more than happy to get a smaller person to jump on an airdyne and go as hard as they can on an air, on the airdyne before they leave because he didn't he didn't beat them in in the 
the little person workout, which that, you know, as, as we know with CrossFit um, and other, other timed workout systems, some suit you if you're tall or heavy and strong, some suit you if you're small and nimble. And I can go with my mates and I can look and say, right, you are absolutely going to smash this one. Yeah. I'm going to go nowhere near you. Um, my mum, do you know Nikki Mooney Vale? No, I don't think so. No, anything gymnasty with her, she completely smashes it. Whereas me, if it's got the, the gymnastic stuff in, I really find that difficult. But the mm -hmm. weight stuff, I find that all right you know right, it's okay yeah. it's it's really good to go against someone else who's kind of the same kind of has the same strengths as you that's really good I like that yeah but then sometimes I like just competing against myself as well it's yeah. I prefer to keep it compete against myself I, really. um, that, that was the one thing that I um, was always conflicting as well with me is that in general I hate and I mean hate training with other people I actually hate training when other people are around as well um and I've recently been going well not recently but I, I um I've been going out to Y Leisure which I love I love the place it is nice but I my one criticism of like the gym side of that place is I would call it why bother because I look around and it, it frustrates the hell out of me. And it, I don't know whether it's um, lack of knowledge, uh, lack of actually wanting to do stuff. And, and it's not the gym instructors, by the way. That's not who I'm criticising. I'm, I'm, no. it's, it's, it's in general, that there are, of course, in any gym, you're going to get four or five people and you see them in there and they work fucking hard. And like when they get into the, into the spa bit, after their workouts you can tell the people i mean that's that's almost perfect setting to see people who are working hard because you can physically see they're in a their swim kit there's there's nothing to hide there is there but um yeah. that i look around and sometimes i just get so frustrated and i just think it it can't like i i, I know I, I was privileged in terms of the fitness industry in that I had great PE teachers. Uh, my dad was very much into sport and I did okay in, in sport in general. So I was around sporty people. And I guess for the average person, they're not exposed to that. And that's where I, I get so, like, so conflicted. It's like, I, I wanna go and help you. But I also, I can't, I can't understand why you don't seem to have a general grasp of what you should be doing in here. It's like a classic one. When, when my dad had Archway's gym, there was a guy who used to, and I don't know if the guy's still alive, physically looking at him, he probably shouldn't have been alive when he was alive. Uh, but he used to rock up on a mobility scooter and he was in, like enormous like the type of person you see at uh, Disney World. Yeah. On a mobility. So he'd come all the way from Hinton to Archways, which is on St. Owen Street in Hereford, which is next to one of the, the best pubs probably in the country, the Barrels. I know, that was, must have been a, that must have been a massive selling point, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, believe me, my dad made the most out of coming into the gym. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he, he would 
ride all the way from Hinton, come to a fully equipped gym with sauna, steam room, um, state-of-the-art treadmills, state-of-the-art um, resistance equipment, um, an on-site physio if needed. You obviously have to book, book this is a shout-out to Dodge, but one of the best um, physios I even ever come across. Never not fix an injury of mine. So Dodge was on site. So, you know, pick up injuries, anything like that. He'd ride his mobility scooter for, I don't know, we'll, we'll say a three-mile walk, come in and walk on a treadmill. And that blew my mind. That's the site. I think um, on, the, yeah. on the last one, um, we discussed how, like, um, Mark and Michael and that, they've got the the phrase fitness is fucked and oh yeah yeah i remember you saying like that yeah and this started back in 2003 when i when i when i was i would literally this that's why i think i closed off and took my gym to where it was and that's how we ended up meeting was through working at a gym where obviously i couldn't turn people away and that frustrated me because it was like no you don't you don't deserve my time uh, this is at the time. Yeah. You don't deserve my time because you've you've ridden essentially a mini m- motorbike because your doctor has told you. And he was like, his membership was subsidized as well by the NHS. Yeah. So you're not even paying for your, for your health here. It's been subsidized and you're riding in a mobility scooter that's provided by our taxes for me to then say to you, what are you doing on a treadmill? You could have walked here and then just done some weights and probably then bought a shake off me or something and, and walked home and you would have burnt more calories for a start. But anyway, I'm digressing. I, I, that's just one. No, it's right. I, I hear what you're saying. I've, I've walked up to girls on treadmills before, walking on treadmills, playing with their phones. Yeah. And I've walked up to him and I have said, why are you in? What are you doing? Why are you here? Why are you not just walking down the road doing that? You can get so much more out of your time here. I can't believe you're walking on a treadmill. I have collared stuff like that before. But then on the other hand, you say about your guy, right? But what about the success story? What about when you get him off that mobility scooter? Yeah. One of the best guys, one of the most memorable guys I ever had come into the gym was a guy who came for an induction. He kind of walked with the shuffle, was um, considerably overweight. And we set some goals, right? And, uh, and his goals were he wanted to see, <laughs> he wanted to be able, his words, he wanted to be able to see his winky within 12 weeks. <laughs> and the, the longer term goal was to walk to the barrels. And the deal was I was going to walk with him. And to see the change in his confidence, in his mood, um, and yeah, he was doing very little when he started and he would drive to the gym, you know, mobility scooter, car, mm-hmm. same thing. Um, I totally get your logic. I mean, I don't like driving anywhere if I can help it, because why would I not? And, and my, my, my idea would be like, why do you have to walk everywhere? I'm like, why wouldn't you? Yep. But um, I can see where you're coming from. I really can. But when you get this. And, and sometimes you don't get the success story either, do you? No. But when you do get that success story, it's so rewarding to see that person get the, the key to the door of a new life. 
Yeah. I th- I, I'm not sure what, what I think it's, it's a real strange one because I, they, I trained a lot of, um, a lot of women for a long time and a lot of women are not happy with their bodies for whatever reason, whether they've had kids, whether they just let themselves go, whether they just want to get a bit more in shape. They, they remember what they were like when they were 18 to 20. Um, and I was good at that. And I was good at noticing when there was changes and, you know, simple things. I think we spoke about this on the last one is noticing when somebody has had their hair cut or they've had their nails done. And you know, I was very yeah. good at, good at picking those things up. And I think that would be a bit of advice for a lot of male trainers out there is notice those things with your female clients, because that means that their confidence is growing, that they, that they are, no, they're noticing as much as you're noticing and let them know. Um, but I also, I thrived off, um, seeing like an athletic change as well. Um, and I don't know where that tran- transition was. I mean, I, I can name you 10, 15 brides that I've got into wedding dresses um, that you look back on the photos and I, I'm stunned that I got them. In. I mean, they got themselves in that shape. Let's be honest. Like a lot of trainers do sort of piggyback off the success of their clients. I mean, you have to get them to do the thing, but anybody can do get them to do the thing. Like my dad, who has not trained anybody in 20 years, could still get most people in shape as long as they want to. And there's no better, there's no better red cloth to a bull than a white dress to a lady getting married. Um, and so... I mean, there's, there's so many clients like that. I had a client called Rachel and she was, um, let's say in a, well, in her forties somewhere, I'm going to say. And she came, she, and she actually, cause obviously the two of us know the, the whole rigmarole you can do with like doing calipers and having to get clients to the point. I mean, it's probably easier for you with a female client than it is with me with a yeah. client, but they obviously have to be in their underwear or a bikini or whatever to, to get to all the sites. And she actually got the confidence up to do it. She was out of shape. She was not, you know, she was carrying quite a bit of body fat. Um, and she actually started posting her progression pictures in this so such an awesome tool in 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 her well in in the smallest amount of clothing possible obviously to show and you know i did get some satisfaction out out of that and thinking yeah you've done a good job there but i don't know i i'm not sure where maybe maybe it was my time at archways where i sort of found found that my niche wasn't the people who who make this in my mind the the big small changes like being able to walk to i mean i i don't know i think i'm bullshitting myself here i think i got myself into the mindset that i didn't enjoy that but 
I once I, I was training a lady uh, who had quite a significant amount of money and I ended up part of my personal training for her was just taking her dad who was in the later stages of his life and he was he was on his way out basically was just taking him for a walk from his house which was on South Bank Road to near where uh where, where like you know where like KFC is that yeah sort of, that sort of turning it was just just a walk to there he was still in his slippers his jammy bottoms he wasn't like sort of end of life care at, at this point and the goal of that was that I was to because I mean his was all resp- respiratory and he, <coughs> just getting up out of the chair was his, his legs were failing him and all sorts and um I was going to take him to Weatherspoons on Christmas Eve and unfortunately he didn't make it to Christmas Eve but we we nearly got there though and like when I actually think about stuff like that and like it's it is talking to people like you Charlie that like make me think oh Jesus you fell out of love with it because you were so focused on the other side of it yeah and but I was still doing stuff that I would if I was just to talk to an average person, be like, oh, fuck that. Dude, I hate I hate working with fatties and and, and whatnot. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But in reality, like, I I trained a great amount of people, as I'm sure you have, and it's it's one of those that I think I found myself specialising when really you never specialise in in the fitness industry because. Even if you're training, like I, I was training MMA fighters at one point, I can still train somebody that's out of shape. It's just how it's it's individual clients. Yeah, I think you like specific goals, don't you? And it's different starting points, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you've got initially you've got to actually get them in there, mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be a challenge because you do think, well are you actually going to come in it? Oh, and, and that, you know, then the excuses come that people will put up their own barriers, won't they? Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if you've got someone comes to you at the level you were at, well, actually they're, they're paying good money and they really want to be there mm-hmm. and they want your time. They want you all yeah. that time. Yeah. And um, a, a few people towards the end of when I had the gym would almost try and tell me that indirectly, but obviously at that point, I had sort of taken on working uh, with the Beefy Boys and I had a regular income, which is hard to get when you run your own business. And I think what they were trying to say to me was that we're paying to train with you, not to train at your gym. Yeah. And at the time, I was just sort of blinkered. I was like, well, yeah, if you all wanted to train with me and you paid me on time etc etc which is not everybody but it it happened then I wouldn't have had to ever take another job which is taking up my time that you want me to spend with you and it's it's that's taken me a while to admit that to myself that I actually was probably thinking that and it's a shame, really. It's a shame because I've, it's something that I've spoken to to Michael and to Rob about is that it's not a business that I ever saw myself not being in. 
and it's a business yeah. now business now that I have to stop myself at times from being hyper cynical about I think we we briefly touched on this uh with the with the whole fitness influencer that's a, that's that kicks around now um the girls with the big bums and the flat tummies that uh, are getting the 20,000 views and likes on Instagram and getting sponsorships from clothing companies and promo codes and things like that. When there are people like yourself now that are still within that circle who should be the ones getting the free stuff from the companies, but because, and I hate to say this, you don't whore yourself out by just, you know, arching your back with a, with, with your husband behind a camera with a light shining in the right place. Do you know what I mean? Like that, yeah. that's, that's I just, just couldn't. Just couldn't. It's just it's either you or it isn't, isn't it? Yeah. You know? I, I think the bit that bothers me, and it shouldn't bother me because why do I care? Like this is the bit that and this has been an ongoing thing since I've done episode one of this podcast. And like I said, I'm on episode 14 now. Is that why why do I care? But I care because I put a lot of time into into learning, and and that's the that's the thing as well. Learning to train people. Oh, but you can get a course online now. You can qualify to be a PT in a number of weeks, same as you used to be able to pay to do a certain dance course um, for a day, where there's be a, like loads of other people on the course, and then you could come out and take loads of classes. Well, start chucked thousands <laughs> and hours and yeah. sweat and blood and tears. Yeah, yeah, I'm not quite as wrong about that as I used to be, but yeah, and. Um, yeah, I get that completely. And, you know, these these beautiful ladies and, and gents, on the, these influencers, you know, yeah, okay, it's there. You get out there, you do it. But, you know, when you see things influencing, in, be it influence giving wrong inf influencers giving mm -hmm. wrong information, moving incorrectly, posting workouts that probably are kind of out of reach of people or not really kind of, that useful, that frustrates me. Yeah. Stupid pieces of kit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, there's all sorts in there. We we spoke about the um, the bounce, <coughs> bouncy shoes. Um, <laughs> I've seen. Um, hey, you're hey, you've never squat before. Let me put a pair of bouncy shoes on you, and let me just like tell you to squat without giving you any teaching points. Yeah. Not everybody, just one trainer in the dark. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Brilliant. And there's a, there's other crazy ones that I know that people that like friends, family have gone to and they love it. And it's great to a certain extent that people are going out and moving, but you, there's instructors that are going out and basically putting on an hour's worth of a night out without the alcohol and just putting music on and just getting people to dance as if they were in a nightclub. And it's like, but those I don't, oh God, I really don't want to sound like a negative Nancy about this, but it's, to me, it's because, just different because though, isn't it? It is just different, but to me, it's like that five, six pound that you paid, you could have paid someone like me, someone like Jeremy, someone like Lindsay, someone like yourself, someone like Kelly. Like I can name so many people. It's like pay them that same money and you'll learn how to do this for a long time and keep yourself in shape 
that same money. They don't want to learn though, do they? They want to go to a sober play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they want to go to sober play and they want their night out. It's horses for course, isn't it? Yeah. And I, <laughs> I guess that's where like the cynical the cynical nature that I have comes comes into into things. It's like it's like why why are you why are you wasting your time? And then it gets to, well, if you're gonna waste your time, don't contact me. Because if you <laughs> if you contact me. I'm going to tell you, you can't come to my gym. And I think that's where that all, that all sort of came from. But I think, yeah. I think, um, let's like, we're, we're sort of just beating away a, a subject that we can go back and forth on. Yes. It's, it's great that people get out and they, and they move about. Yes. It's great it, that people sort themselves out. No, it's not great that there are plenty of really good instructors out there that are not getting a client base because somebody that's done a weekend course is taking that even if it's only for two weeks but that means that they never go back to seeing another instructor that potentially helps them in the long term yeah if someone gets a negative experience so important those first impressions aren't they and those those first experiences when you walk into a fitness class or a fitness area into a gym session and like you and i have both got completely different um beginnings with that and like i said i've always i've been coaching people since i was 13 at, at bishop school i was co- i was coaching people younger than me helping out the pe teachers and whatnot but you said you you were always the one at the back of a, a fitness class yeah trying try, was... try not to be noticed whereas to me oh, I, God, yeah. I, I wouldn't ever have gone to a fitness class because i can go into a gym from the get-go and know what i'm doing because i've always done it and, and that gym for me back then was full of frightening people and full of equipment that I didn't really know how to use um, or how to do anything with. It was full of people who I was convinced were watching what I was doing. Um, so for me, the back of the class felt safer because no one had noticed me because they were all too busy trying to breathe. Mm-hmm. And if I covered up as much as possible, um, it would be okay. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was the bride. I yeah. bet I'm getting married. <laughs> I best, I best get into this dress. And that's, you know, I started, but to come to someone like you for me would have been absolutely terrifying. It's mm-hmm. too intense. It's, and I think there's people who want intense, isn't there? I quite like intense now. Intense for me is a massive treat because I do my own classes and I like, although I like to go to some people's other people's classes, the one-to-one for me, I can, I can fine tune them Yeah. because I, I think even PTs need a PT. Um, Cause you can, you can, you can get tired yourself. Well, I can, I'd rather just have someone back to our banks ideas off. Um, but yeah, for, for, I was an old star, so I didn't start my training until I was 28. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was for confidence as well. You know, brought up as you're the sporty kid who's always been sporty. I loved sport, but was never kind of stereotypical, never got picked for the A team, was, you know, mid-range B team mm-hmm. on a good day. <laughs> Don't put me down for anything, anything good for the sports day, will you? You know, I never had the confidence. I loved sport so much. Um, did you, I remember doing GCSEP and being gutted that I had an hour's theories, but I didn't. I wanted extra PE. I didn't want theory. Yeah. <laughs> I still feel just as passionate about A and P now. 
I um, um, it's interesting you say that about um, PTs needing a PT because I think I reached the point at some point where I think it was more when I wasn't doing sports. When it came to gym stuff, I stopped needing the instruction so much and I needed I've got like an internal drive like it, it I'm not I wouldn't say like a sadist in the gym but I know when I've worked hard enough and I know when I haven't yeah. and for example if I if, if I have if say I, I go to Y Leisure tomorrow and I work out I'm not feeling strong the way I will counterbalance my potential lack of performance in in the gym is I'll go and sit in the sauna until I'm incredibly uncomfortable so that I've psychologically <laughs> made sure that I have suffered enough in the time that I've spent in that gym um, and also I, I found that I I enjoy reading what other decent instructors have have written down on blogs or on websites or whatever and i found that that to me is like a motivating factor if i read something that they say like it could be anything and it could just be like a sentence like why are you getting in your own way and that that thought is then put into my brain why when i then go and work out that is it the background of every thought you know why you're not doing that last rep so i don't necessarily yeah. need don't necessarily need a pt behind me or stood next to me or whatever or bouncing ideas off in some respect but especially when i'm training if i'm reading what other people are doing and like i'm i'm a part of something called the space program which um <coughs> the guys at non-profit are doing which are the guys that were originally at jim jones the guys that trained the 300 actors etc and Henry Carville for Superman. They've got their, their new venture they're doing now. And it's like a, a rolling thing. Um, luckily, I was on the ball enough because they're, they're, they're where the original thought for how the asylum came about. Um, and they, they've gone back to that format. So if you're listening to their podcast, if you're in tune with their emails and stuff, you can potentially get into these programs, but if you miss it, you miss it. You you can't get in because the the login information is gone. They did it by hiding things in podcasts. They'd give you Easter eggs and they were buying websites while they were doing the podcast. And if you figured out what to search for, you'd be able to find it. Therefore you could, like I've got a copy of their mag. They, they went back to doing magazines and they did a whole segment on, uh, it's called Defend Analog. So they went back to doing uh, um, like magazines, T-shirts, stuff like that, stuff that you could physically have. So it wasn't digital they're, and they aren't, they're never redoing it. So I've got an original copy of that magazine, which nobody can buy again. Um, and I, I, I don't know what it is. I love that. And it was, it's something that I've been thinking a lot on as well. Like with my photography and stuff is like, why am I not printing my photography? Why am I not putting it out that people could potentially buy a photo that I've taken? Because it's some decent photos there, isn't there? But but the, th the the crazy thing is is that I don't even know if people buy photographs to put on their walls anymore, of whether they're just printing them off their phones. But it was just an idea that I had because I was doing the studio, 
and think, you know, what can I put up on the wall? So like, Darren, you take, I've got, I must have hundreds of thousands of photos that I've never used for anything other than when I had the asylum, I put them out on the internet, but I've never used the physical copies of them. Um, and that was sort of like my way of segueing away from like the gym environment there into you took something on, which I bet was quite scary for you um, a year or two ago, which was actually coaching football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so those things can sometimes, um, they sort of just fall at your feet and you just crack on with them and then you stop doing it. Or they could be something that you start doing. Like, I actually fucking love this. I never thought I would, but I did. But um, how did that come about that you got, uh, obviously with with your little and playing football, that was obviously a massive factor in it. But how did it come around that you ended up helping out with her team? Jamie asked volunteers. Um, so chairman of the club asked for, asked for ideas, uh, volunteers. And um, he needed quite a few because the club was new. Um, so he hardly had any coaches. He was trying to trying to get girls to come and coach from team team and coaching like older girls. But he was he was about five short, and they needed people. And I said to Jamie, I said I'd love to help out a bit, but you know I'm not a football girl. I've never really. Last time I was heavily involved in football was watching it when I was a barmaid. <laughs> <laughs> Most weekends it was brilliant, um, but. Like, you know, as far as playing football on, on the estate, Enley Road versus Kershaw Close, World Cup 90 was probably as far as it got. And they used to, they used to stick me in goals because I was massive and nothing to get past me. <laughs> but I said, look, if it, you know, the girls were little. My youngest was five. My eldest, my youngest girl was five. My eldest girl was six. Um, you know, it's, at that stage, it's motivating them, turning it into games, tying shoelaces and making sure they're okay. And I like to make sure people are okay. That's mm -hmm. something I do like doing. I'm quite nurturing and I like to have a little bit of a bit of fun and make sure people are relaxed and happy. So, so that the bit that was the bit I was happy to do. Um, a friend of mine, Helen, she was the competitive one, but she was also someone who knew a bit about football, but hadn't, you know, how can you compare to lads who've been playing football their whole lives? Mm -hmm. uh, well, men who've been playing football their whole, whole lives. Um, so yeah, they were, you know, we started a team and it went really well, you know, it, we had a, re a few really good seasons, um, but it wasn't without its challenges because obviously as the game went from five aside to seven aside, that was another change. It got slightly more technical. We got help from other coaches. Kev started doing a bit then. Um, Sean Arrowsmith was helping us as well. Um, but, but seven aside I could deal with because at the end of the day it's an invasion game mm -hmm. and um netball seven side <laughs> <laughs> so like right okay I, I've got this I've got this I can make sense of this um and we've had some wonderful times we've done day trips to Wembley to see the women's FA Cup finals um it's it's been lovely and the way the team has been together both socially and the girls playing has been great and then we got to nine asides, and then actually, do you know what? I, I'm not sure I know enough about this anymore. Yeah. Um, I haven't got the technical knowledge. I started playing myself um, to try and get that knowledge through because I'm an experiential learner. Yeah. So by joining a team and having a crack at it myself, I loved being in defence because I didn't need much skill. All I had to do was run at people 
and get them out the way. Easy. <laughs> you know? um, but um, then I had my uh, a disc slip in my neck. So now I'm not allowed, um, since I've been operated on, which was two years today, um, I'm not allowed to play contact sport because of the injury risk. Right. So I had to put a stop to that. So, um, yeah, after four seasons, I kind of lost confidence a little and the dynamics were changing. And then Matt, who's taken over now, was kind of, I thought, oh, I'll do my course. I'm really interested in that. So he stepped in. I've stepped out, but I'm still on hand if they need me. So it's kind of like natural progression, but they needed more than I could give them as they got older. Yeah, And I think Kev needed someone to help him out who actually knew what they were doing. And I'll put my hands up and say, whoa, I only, I only haven't really thought I was going to stay for a couple of seasons. So I was there kind of twice as long as expected. And we've had some really good times. Yeah, so, I was, um, in, in terms of Georgie's development football-wise, I'd say um, she, she needed more at the time that what she was getting at the time that she spent with with the team and that's no fault of anybody it's um no. it's it's unfortunately it's Georgie's age that is the issue and the fact that she fleets between two age groups every year um yeah. but and I completely understand what because it took me a long time to get my head around um and it was speaking to to Jamie back when the girls were all at lads club and he'd always come up, so she's a great little player. Um, and it's good to see her having fun. And because of the competitive nature of myself, that's I can't I can't remember a time when I wasn't competitive. I genuinely can't. Like um, me, me and Scotty were talking on my last podcast about he he remembers being five six years old and losing at something at a family party and going through and just like punching a wall because he was so annoyed that he didn't win. And I can remember, not like specifics, but I can remember like just board games and things like that, just being furious. That, and there's something else, <laughs> something else I've learned from having a daughter and a daughter that is through, I, I, I feel like sometimes it's a hindrance to her being a, a naturally talented sportswoman is the fact that it's okay to just enjoy it. And that she... It, it's not all about winning all of the time. But I still can't fully get my head around that, if you know what I mean. Now that she's getting a bit older, I think I can see the development in what she's doing. Like when, now that she's playing with the GDC and yeah. the team that she's playing in is they're, they're top of the league at the moment. And she's playing in a, in a team that I would say is her age. She's not the oldest, she's not the youngest, She's just in that age bracket. She and, fits in there. And, and do you know what the good thing is? That she's not always the star player that's there, but she's needed. Like, you need yeah. you need to have her there. And there's a few players in her Tupsley team that are a bit like that. You take one of them out, and the whole team is not, it's not the same. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can notice it. And I think... Um, when she has to go down that age group, which I'm not sure how much longer this goes on for, because surely at some point they'll the HFA will recognise that there is enough girls playing to have teams in each age group rather than getting young girls getting their ass kicked 
for a season to then win the next season and so on and so on, which some people will say is good for them. Some people will say, well, um, but I think what, what I'm trying to say is that it, it took me a while to see the good in, in what was going on in the fact that I think when George played in, in Kev's team, I think there may be one a handful of games over the whole year. And what I was noticing from George is that she had got to the point where she was noticing, she, oh, hang on. she was noticing she wasn't winning and was losing interest. And yeah. She, she'd got past, and I think she was put, possibly, it's, it's funny how it might marry up. It, she'd got to the same point that you were at, where this is not just you coaching your girls for them to have something fun to do that they had got, they'd all got to the point where it was like, well, we're losing. We know we're losing. And you didn't know what you wanted to go back to potentially the, come on, let's just have fun. Let's just have fun. It doesn't matter. And, and that was the thing for me. It did matter then because mm -hmm. it was competitive league um, it, and it did matter then. And it really mattered to the girls. And when they were younger, with the, some of the girls on the team were really competitive. And I, I would be, yeah, yeah, it's really important that you win, but it's really important that we play as a team as well. And look how much, look how much fun we've had and look at how well you get on with the other girls and stuff like that. You can say that, but that season when I decided actually it's time, I remember being lift sharing with a parent and sitting in the car with one of the girls and we, we lost and we deserve to at least draw, draw, I think, or either we drew and we did, we, we could have won. Mm -hmm. And it was so close and it had been such a hard season. And the, the girl was just really, she was just so irritated and fed up and upset. And normally I would try and boost her up and say, well, it's not all about that. We've got another opportunity. Mrs. Positive Pants, blah, blah, blah. And I just looked at her and I was like, mate, I get you. I hear you and I get you and I, I don't know what to say because I just had nothing to say. Mm -hmm. And it, and that's when I kind of knew that actually you, you need someone who's going to give you strategies now. You need someone who's got the competitive knowledge and I can't support you like that anymore. But if you're missing a coach on a Tuesday and you need someone to help out and make sure your session goes ahead, then yeah, that's cool. But as far as leading this team where someone else goes and being the wingman, that's not a place I can fill anymore because I just haven't got that knowledge. Mm -hmm. But I think when the kids are little, I think when they're little, they don't necessarily need that as much. No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Because I'm sort of get, getting my head round into the, the way the <laughs> FA are um, structuring things now. Yeah, the fact that in again, me and Scotty spoke about this. So sorry to keep going on about this to anybody that listened to the last one, but Charlie probably hasn't heard this. In the fact that me and maybe a couple of guys, when I say couple of guys, I'm talking a country over, but my age group and maybe a few years younger, were the last age group where English football was English football. And it was just around about the time, roughly around my brother's age group, I'd say, is when they started reassessing how they were teaching youngsters. So Sean probably just missed out on it. Um, and 
what's happening if if you I mean if I don't know if you watch much of the Premiership and stuff, but I mean there's a lot of uh, like foreign influence with players coming from all over the world and whatnot. Yeah. But there's no place for the classic English hard man anymore. That's that has gone. Like that is not a position anymore. The closest thing that we've got is someone like Harry Maguire, and he just looks like an idiot when it goes wrong. Like he could win all the headers and whatnot, but it's all about playing football now, and that's been instilled in English stroke British youngsters for a long time but it takes like and I would consider myself now at the age of 37 I'll be 38 in April a bit of an old head which I'm not technically because it probably if I was still playing I would have retired retired maybe a year two years ago but I decided to knock it on the head when I was about 29 um but you can see what they're doing. They're, they're, they're creating a generation of players that aren't afraid to do things. Whereas in, when I was sort of learning at that sort of age of five to 15, you were afraid to make a mistake during a game because it could cost you the game. Whereas if you're brought up from five to 10, and it doesn't matter because you're not, you're not keeping score, then you're creating a more creative player that potentially goes on to help England win a World Cup, to help Arsenal win an FA Cup, to help Liverpool win the the Premier League. And that, I think, is their long-term vision. It's just hard as a parent that grew up playing a certain way. And and what else um, I was exposed to as well, is and this, this is something that is driving me a bit mad, really, because I think in the time that, Georgie's been playing. So she's been playing since she was five, I think, five or six. She's 13 now. I haven't seen one coach be somebody that I played football with in Herefordshire coaching a girls' football team. Ah, uh, yeah. And um, that might be that there's... I mean, no, that's crazy. because What I was going to say was perhaps because... I had George when I was relatively young, but that doesn't really matter because I played football with people older than me and people younger than me. So it would correlate somewhere. Um, and I'm seeing people like Kev, who like me and Kev have, have always had sort of a, a funny relationship because Kev's always been a referee and I was always a player. So I remember having this conversation one day, yeah. So it... Other than like Scotty's dad, which was the referee for um, that game where George shouted out that she was fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, when she opened I, her mouth and her dad came out, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it was like you don't really socialise with referees as a player because it's not really a good idea, is it, to be good mates with a referee? Um, referees to be good mates with players because then when it comes to them having to referee you yeah it's a conflict of interest um and so obviously when when I when George first started being coached by Kev um I was like hypercritical being like what what are you talking about like do you know how to blow a whistle mate you don't know how to kick a ball um and obviously the longer that she spent there I obviously got to know Kev a bit better um and appreciated what he was doing and obviously he's done his badges and whatnot he knows it's um 
it's just it's got to the, the point now when when she's playing and and stuff and you you look back as a dad and you really respect the amount of time that because I haven't been able to put that time into oh, her football. And you... I have no idea how much went into it. The amount of hours that guy spends doing stuff yeah, is yeah. unreal. Absolutely unreal. And it's it's such, it... I, I have no idea how much work went into it. It's a different kind of respect you have for somebody when you realise, like, you know, just even sending out, like, I'm sure you're the same as me when, you, when you're when you in the, the different teams' WhatsApp groups and they're blowing up and you're just like, oh, my God, give it a rest. I'm at work. I'm at work. I can't respond to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But somebody's got to do that. Somebody's got to let yeah. everybody know everything. Somebody's got to make sure the girls have all got kit. Somebody's got to make sure there's a referee there. And, and you do get a different kind of respect when you take a back seat because – I could quite easily be that that nightmare parent on the sideline. I could quite easily be that nightmare parent because obviously I've coached people. I, yeah. I've got my views on how football should be played. I've got my views on even down to where the different girls should be playing. But that's not... I, I think I've got... I've made sure. I've made sure that I... I, I mean, I'll, I'll possibly give my opinion to somebody that might pass it on but I've made sure I'm not that parent on the sideline giving it my daughter should be playing or you're playing her out of position or or whatever and you you do strangely you do still see it we've been really lucky on our team we do still see it on other teams we've yeah. been really lucky with our team um usually I think that there's been a couple of times where I've turned around to parents who I know we're going to question it and I've said, I think I had to do it with you say it to you. I think I had to put George, was it Georgie in defence once? Yeah, George well, played already. Yeah, she's had to play in the shop in was, various teams. It was, I've had to put her there because this is what we're up against at this current time. Um, and yeah, but do you know what? Now I'm a parent on the sideline. I know I've made the right decision stepping back. Mm-hmm. But seriously, some days now, <laughs> I'm, stood there. I'm twitching. I'm twitching. And if I, because Emma's stepped back a little bit now as well, she's kind of available to help. But, but Matt and Kev are getting on with it and they're doing a great job. But sometimes the pair of us together, we're, <laughs> we're not coaching. We're not coaching. Shut up. We're not coaching. Oh, my God, have I shouted too loudly? It is so hard. And I used to find that when my younger girl used to play for a different team, I used to have to go and watch her because there's no control because yeah. you know you're behind the respect barrier so you have to respect and show up which is difficult as a parent mm-hmm. but then I remember going to a game which is probably part of the reason why I got involved with the coaching in the first place as well my my one of my best mates kids he's 18 now mm-hmm. and I remember when he was about 10 I went to watch him at Edgar Street in a final and I was stood next to a couple of blokes and it was like they were at a prem- you know, it was like they were at a premiership game, being the critics. Yeah. And I'm like, they better not talk about my boy like that. Do they talk like that all the time? Because this is a this is an environment I'm not used to. And I'm there going to be, do, do they always speak about kids like that? Do they do that? And she's like, Yeah, you get used to it. And I'm like, I ain't getting used to that. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 yeah, that is the thing with being behind that respect barrier. Sometimes you do hear the old parent who's 
and and I've been known to shuffle away quite sharpish because even though my mouth can stay shut sometimes my body language and my eye gaze gives it away Mm. (laughs) no I I had one uh first game of this season um obviously the the girls that George plays with now that they they'd had a good pre-season um and it was looking pretty positive and I was stood next to um a guy I know I trained his wife and I sort of know him through that and his daughter just happens to, to be same age as George and he's a good little player just so happens George gets the ball just in front of the the box turns out pings it out to the to the left hand side she's coming onto the ball she's going full pout team from um should we say one of the rural uh, towns of Her- of Hereford that are known for being a little bit rough <laughs> Um, Wouldn't have a clue what you mean, mate. Um, <laughs> quite a big girl for the age group, and I'm talking in terms of height and weight. It's like she's quite a, a solid girl, should we say, which is all I'll say because she is only 13 years old. Goes out and does a classic tackle, and I know exactly the tackle, and it comes from the same town that we're talking about because I've been on the receiving ends of it. And you heard this absolute clatter as she's not... I know exactly what she's done. She's got she's tackled the top of the ball, which only means your boot is only going in one direction, and that's towards the other where well, your opponent broke her leg in half. And I, the referee, is stood right in front of me, and I'm not stood on the side, uh, so I'm at Gorsey Lane, and I'm by the, where the tennis court bit is, next yeah. to her dad. And I've seen it. I'm not sure he's been watching as intently, but I'm watching. I've seen exactly what the girls done. And I literally looked at the referee. I went, he didn't even give a foul, let alone the penalty that it deserved. And the fact the girls just, like you like you heard the noise. I know that noise. I've heard it a couple of times. And I, I looked at the referee square in the face, who's a young lad, which again, like I felt a little bit bad. And I, I looked at him and I went, you've got to be kidding me. And he, he obviously doesn't then respond to me because that's his job not to respond to me. He's there to be with the girls. And I was like, that is one of the worst fucking tackles I've ever seen in my life. I then get Jamie stood next to me. He's there going, Darren, Darren. I was like, oh, like <laughs> at that point I had to turn because I did swear, but I'm incensed at this point because, it, and it's not even Georgie, but it is a member yeah. of Georgie's football team, but it was an awful tackle. And it like, but that would have been my response as a footballer on the pitch. And that's where I had to turn around and not be that guy. I had to turn around and just be like, I can't believe this, but my body language was showing it. Yeah. She, her dad picked her up, walked her over, had a look at it. Jamie went over and he was like, Darren, there's a gap like that. So for people not watching the video, that's about a two inch gap in her shin bone and she broke her fib and tib. <coughs> but um, yeah. That was the one example. I mean, I quite often mutter things under under my breath and quite often get told, oh, shut up. Like, people can hear you. It's like, yeah, all right. But um, <laughs> on the whole, I've, I've, I have learned to sort of just, just shut up and just en- enjoy watching the game, which I think some people don't, they don't, don't quite get that, do they? Do they do they want their kids to do that well? And quite often their kid's not actually that good and <laughs> if you know what I mean, the ones making the most noise is the kid that's not doing that that well. And 
that often, quite often, will put kids off, I think. I think, yeah, I think, I think you can get to a point where it's, it's your passion, not your kid's passion. Yeah. And I just think, do you know what? Have you still got an itch you need to scratch there? Do you need to get out and do some fiber size? Yeah, probably. And do you know what I mean? It's like my kids, don't get me wrong, I'm not a model parent, um, but my kids ain't me. And as much as I'd love to like my kids to be out working out all the time and being really active, they're pretty good. But they're sometimes they like what I like and sometimes they don't. But yeah, I think if it gets to the point where the, the you know, I've seen kids cry on the cry because of the pressure they're under mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be like that really should it because you want to look back when you're an adult and look at your sport and feel that joy for it and that's why I got involved really I want kids to look back at their time playing football and they oh I really enjoyed that yeah I think um it's, that's been an ongoing battle that I've had with my kid which is that like I said to you she's a talent well you've seen her she's a talented kid she's a She's a talented kid and she's a great kid. And the hardest thing is getting her to stick up stuff. And I think because it's because because it's not overly difficult for her to pick things up, she's not that bothered, if you know what I mean. So um like she started doing jujitsu with Dave Coles at the Combat Academy. Seems to be picking yeah. that, that up really well. She had a bit, she then had a um a bit of a bad experience when another coach took because Dave was having a um, knee operation, put her off then, um, and then she didn't ha didn't have to do that anymore. Whereas it's a I find it's a fine line between keeping kids happy and giving them lots of experience that they can choose, but also making them focus what in on what they're good at, if you know what I mean, and not just being like, okay, if you don't want to do that, we'll do this. If you don't want yeah. to do that, because you potentially are taking a kid that could excel and get to potentially the highest levels. And I'm not saying George is ever going to do that, but I'm just saying that there are kids out there that, that do need that parent who is slightly, well, even sometimes too pushy, but that is where you get the top echelon of people sometimes, yeah. sometimes, because that, like, that could be the kid that just goes, you know what, I've, I've got this far in high school, can't really be asked anymore where that could be your next David Beckham, who was not the best footballer that ever graced the the pitch, but he had to, he worked hard and he had the support of his dad who made him stay for a while until it became a thing that David did for the rest of his career, which was being the last person on a training pitch, etc. And that was instilled from his pushy father. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, it's it's really difficult. It's that, that family, isn't it? And it's hit or miss, I think, as well. Do you know what I mean? You might get it wrong. You might be the parent that doesn't push the kid where they need to be pushed, and you might be the one that's the mm. asshole that pushes them too much, and then they hate it. It's hit or miss. It's how the individual reacts to it, which is the, which is taking a big full circle to training. It's how individuals react. I think I was I was lucky to have a core group of people for a long time that reacted well to my personality. Do you yeah. know what I, mean? I I would never have got away with teaching at somewhere like Halo with my methods of coaching people, which is you're more likely to get a disconcerting look, of dis <laughs> a, a, a disapproving look that, yeah, you can roll around on that floor making your, your sweat angel when I know that you had more in the tank there. Whereas 
in like an environment that you work in, you need to be energetic. You need to be making sure that people can hear you, etc. Whereas in my setting, it was more like I was in the corner taking photos, but you knew I was there watching. You you knew that if, if I could see that your knee placement wasn't right in your squat, that I'd be over and telling you, look, just chuck, the, chuck this broomstick down and just make sure that that doesn't move while you're squatting. You know, little things like that. And I think that that's my biggest takeaway from A, being a dad, <coughs> seeing how different coaches affected and still do affect my daughter and also looking back on how I've coached people over the years and the different reactions I've had to them. Like I've had people who come for one session and claim that they're going to have to go to hospital because they're, they're in that shit state after, after a workout. And my reaction was always the same. It was like, you're going to be fine. And it was the ones that came back that, that stayed for a, a long time. And, I, d- I guess, I mean, do you, do you have in, in your, your area of training people, do you have long-term clients or do you find you have like quite a high turnover? I don't really have a high turnover. I have a core group of people. I see the same. I mean, there's a, there's a group of people who, that, that you know, they're your diehards. They're always there. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know what's on my timetable. They want to know what I'm delivering and they rock up to it. Um, and those are the people I know they squat well. I know they move well because I've seen enough of them to get in and correct what they're, they haven't been doing right at the early office opportunity. And we chat a lot. So they ask me for advice. Sometimes I'll say, oh, I've noticed you don't, you could do that slightly better by adding this in. Um, and then you get people who the familiar faces. So you see them fairly often. They go, then they come back and then they go, then they come back. And then you, you get your new starters, I mean, January is a busy time for new starters. March and September mm-hmm. are usually kind of times when new people come in. And, and then you find my, my, the diehards, they notice that my classes become a little bit more optioned again. Mm-hmm. So the options, I'll look around the room. Everybody's done this before. Nobody wants low impacts. Nobody's injured. Everybody's feeling great. Let's go for it. So certain times of the year, um, the options come in because there's new faces and they need yep. to know a decent place to start off. The teaching point will be drum, drummed in. So it's just kind of generalizing stuff because like when you're on that one-to-one basis or that small group training, you can walk around and pick at people and say, well, pick out people and say, right, okay, let's add this in, try it with this. And I'll do that in things like circuit classes. I'll never jump in on a circuits class because one, I want to go in and um, humiliate the people who aren't working hard enough. Because <laughs> I do, we have lots of banter. Monday nights, I love a Monday night circuit class because music goes all retro and um yeah, I, I kind of get get the fun and games and get people working, but also walking around and coaching, adjusting, try it with this instead. Um, so, you know, you can adjust people in certain classes and carry that over to others. Um, but yeah, it's an ongoing process where is really when you get someone, well, when you, when you were getting people in, you could get those things ironed out straight away, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. For the first couple of appointments, you know, you've got that, right. We've got to start on the basics first. 
whereas you have to kind of drip feed them in. Yeah. Um, I have been known in a class to turn around, see someone squat a few times and say, whoa, hang on, <laughs> running up the back, right, okay, just do this, because it's, and it's, it's quite worrying, but usually you just adjust them gradually. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say about the, the music there, because that just remind it just reminded me of um, conversations I had for a, for a while and people... I, I would quite often put on loud, either punk or metal music, and that was not for my own benefit. And a lot of a lot of people used to think that it was, and so they, they'd quite often come in and they'd want to put their phone in, or back in the day, bring a CD in and put it on. And <laughs> showing our age, my mate. The the main <laughs> the main reason that I would use that music is because a lot of people could like time workouts to the length of songs so i would use like um different just for example um the guy that was on rob fusco his his stuff is that like, i think they call it hardcore so it's like the screaming guy with the the guitars really muted uh, like palm muted so it's like chuk, 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 chuk. but it was more because uh, i've got a um i've got a certificate somewhere which I got ripped for uh, when I had the asylum because it was a qualification called exercise to music. And th they all thought that um, it was like some sort of like dance class or whatever. And I was like, like you, you, you guys are idiots. Somebody found it. I can't remember who it was, but somebody found it and they took a picture and they put it on Facebook. And obviously it's got my name on it, Darren Thompson, exercise to music. And I said, what do you think you're doing now? And they were like, what do you mean? I said, is there music on? Yeah. Are you exercising? That is what exercise to music is. And I remember one of my teachers um, at college when I did, took that course um, explained that mm. as nice as it is a lot of the time to do, and sometimes, like you say, like it's good on a, on a Monday night when you can like chuck on your retro music and sing along and get lost in, in the nostalgia or whatever the music brings for you. I remember it was a, a lady called Stella. She often said, use music that people aren't used to so they don't get into the rhythm. They, stay, they don't forget what they're doing and they become completely engulfed in what they are doing in terms of the, the physical activity. They're not relying on the music to get them through it. The music is just a part of the exercise. So I don't know, if you put something like... A, Something I've I've been whacking on at work at the moment is sort of like um, late '90s to early 2000s um, Ministry of Sound. And yeah, you get your DJ Sash and whatnot, and you you know the words, so you know how much how long the song is. So you know when you get into that sort of three three and a half minute mark, and it's it's all like a crazy psychological thing. But if it's just like some random guy that you've never heard of just screaming you can't even hear the words that he's saying it's still drowning out the noise of you breathing heavily but you're not relying on that to say oh, i've only got 10 seconds left i know this song finishes yeah. in a minute and i think that always stuck with me and that like when they would say oh you're putting your shit music on it's like yeah but that's there for a reason and it's setting an environment I quite, like as well. I quite like metal for throwing weights around as well yeah it's yeah. good, isn't it? I'll tell you something that I've got into recently, and this is completely nuts, and 
it drives people mad at work because I I find a, a weird focus in like a, I've been playing on Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the on the Xbox so being quite into the Viking theme and I've found a few bands that do like the traditional uh, Viking chanting with the traditional music and I've been thinking it's yeah. gonna be brilliant when I can get back into a weight room stick my headphones on and just have a, a continuous like I don't even know what the fucking hell they're saying, but it's that sort of thing. You know, when you watch like a, a medieval thing and they've got the ding, 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 ding. It's that going over them, just chanting stuff. I'm like, I, I can get in the fucking zone with this. My if mister I'm... loves that stuff. He'll go watch gigs of stuff like that. He yeah. absolutely loves it. It's, um, yeah, I don't get it. I like, don't get me wrong, I like metal to train to and everything, but playing it in the house, it's like, Jesus Christ, my ears are beating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, no, you what are. So, um, I know you've got to shoot off, Charlie. We've, I've gone, I've taken about half an hour more of your time than I should have done. Um, but I reckon we can arrange to do another part in a couple of weeks' time and we can expand further away from like training and football and we can just talk about general shit. We can talk about current events. We could do the usual shit that I do on here, which is get you thinking about stuff you, you like stuff you, you think you really rate and the stuff that you think that everybody likes that you think shit um all that sort of stuff but I, I just wanted to make sure we got this one out because a I wanted to get the video sorted and make sure that all syncs up and b wanted to make sure that the three well it's now four and a half hours that we've spent chatting and we at least get some stuff out but i do know you're busy you need yeah. to get off so we'll call that a day shall we and let you crack That's on awesome. with... yeah that'd be great um <laughs> studio with beer next time then is it yeah definitely so even even if you're still not able to come over and do that we will do one we'll have a nice glass of wine or a beer and we'll just <laughs> let the conversation go wherever we're going not going to talk about work or training people or what our kids are up to we'll just talk about shit that's going on at the moment what lockdown's been like for you what lockdown's been like for me etc and we'll just we'll just we'll have a bit of a more free-form conversation than the but now now we've got it out we've got people will know who charlie is and hopefully we'll want to listen a little bit more ace cool right. nice, nice talking to you take care mate see you soon see you later bye Bye. I hate most people. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Sticking feathers up your butt does not make you a chicken. I drink your milkshake. I hate most people. Obsessive, 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 obsessive.